For at least four decades now, Barron's has assembled some of the top names in investing every year for what we proudly call the Roundtable. Every January, the conversation fills many pages of our magazine, spread across two issues. I'm always amazed by how subscribers comb through the transcript looking for those insights and ideas. I'm Alex Yule, and welcome to The Readback. On this special edition of the podcast, we're hoping to take you inside the Roundtable room. For several years, I've had the fortune of sitting in the room as our experts got together for one long day of exchanging ideas, big and small, about the economy, stocks, and policy. And there's always plenty to talk about, but this year's roundtable felt particularly momentous. After all, we were only a few days removed from the worst December for stocks since 1931. And there were things to worry about like debt, trade, tech disruption, and politics. What has happened uh, in the marketplace is a belated recognition uh, that economic policy does matter. Um, Elections have consequences, and we've had a movement in the wrong direction on a lot of these policies. That's Abby Joseph Cohen, senior investment strategist at Goldman Sachs. Here's bond expert Jeffrey Gunlack, head of Double Line Capital in Los Angeles, outlining his primary concern about growing corporate debt corporate treasurers understandably and appropriately took advantage of low interest rates and tighter spreads and pushed their maturities out. Last year, there were about $50 billion of corporate bond maturities in the investment grade plus junk bond. That's it, $50 billion. 2019, it's $700 billion. He says the economy's biggest risk is the corporate bond market, where investors are fooling themselves into treating a mountain of corporate debt as investment grade when much of it really deserves, quote, junk status. Morgan Stanley Research has a very interesting piece that says if you just use conventional debt ratios, that's all you use to rate companies in the investment-grade corporate bond market, if you just use that by conventional standards, nearly 50% of the investment-grade corporate bond market should be rated junk right now. And the reason that they haven't done it, which is a little bit of an echo, unfortunately, of the way they rated mortgage products back in 2006. The reason they haven't downgraded these companies is they're saying reassuring things about awareness that debt ratios are uncomfortably high, but they're gonna do something about it in the years ahead. Well, what if the economy isn't good enough to do things like asset sales or whatever to reduce your your debt ratios? So I think the big problem is that you could have Fully, um, 50% of the investment-grade corporate bond market could turn into junk. And that could be a very big problem. So how does Gunlack wrap up the stock market? The economy is artificially strong from stimulus. I think the market definitely goes lower um, to the the official bear market type of level. I I think it's almost a reverse of last year in that it should be, I think, weak early and stronger later in the year. Rubel Bonsali, an international-focused investor and chief investment officer at Ariel Investments, echoed the debt theme and has some thoughts about the importance of cash. The equity markets are focused on the wrong risk, which is earnings risk. Um, you know, whether companies going to miss earnings, meet earnings, beat earnings. I mean, that's always a question that's talked about. Uh, people should focus on balance sheet risk. Uh, and balance sheet risk is the highest ever. If you look at the collapse of GE stock, it was because of their balance sheet, not because necessarily of their earnings. And I think that this is the big cue that the equity markets need to learn. So I would say in terms of market outlook, 
there is going to be a shift in the market within equities, cash will no longer be a four-letter word. Debt will become that four-letter word. And I think that the place to bet in the coming years is going to be net cash companies. It's ironic that net cash companies don't trade at a premium and that indebted companies don't trade at a discount. That is a free lunch in the markets. That's what I would look to exploit. Henry Ellenbogen is a portfolio manager at T. Rowe Price. He runs an innovation-focused fund there. He identified a different risk. You know, the FANG stocks, even though they were, uh, as Jeffrey pointed out, were the last, you know, major sector to really get hit in the back of the year, really are still um, companies that are leading innovation. Um, and I think, you know, innovation has been so important for the United States for a couple reasons. One is, you know, we basically do have, you know, the leading technology platforms in the world, you know, um, with maybe the, the sole exception of the national champions, you know, Tencent and Alibaba of China. And these companies have been, you know, deflationary, really driving down prices, um, especially in good sectors, which has allowed, you know, low unemployment with controlling inflation. And for the most part, you know, despite the, you know, the weakness in the back half of the year, the companies continue to gain market share um, against their end markets. And if you look at, you know, Google and Facebook in 2018, they surpassed TV advertising as platforms and they continue to gain share. You know, you know, Amazon, while being the market leader in e-commerce, continued to gain share. You know, Netflix basically continued to gain share and really has forced a restructuring of the media landscape. And I think one thing to really watch as you head into the 2020 election is what is the narrative going to be on the technology leaders and, in essence, the innovation that is really driving the U.S. economy. And, you know, there is a school of economists and there's a school of politicians now that are trying to move U.S. antitrust law much more in tune with where Europe is. I actually think we will actually uh, basically start to stifle the key part of our growth in this country, which is really technology innovation and how it is unlocking growth in small business beyond a lot of the companies that we talk about that are in the public markets. At one point during the conversation, Todd Alston, CIO of Parnassus Investments, jumped in to pull everyone back from the brink. As dire as this conversation is, we still have the greatest innovation in the world. If you look at the Googles and the Amazons and the Apples and the NVIDIAs that still were a credit-worthy nation, that has great talent, and uh, we're uh, an ESG firm, so we look at the environmental, social, governance, diversity. We have diversity, we do have population growth, we do still have immigration. There's a lot of things going for this country still, and I, I get the numbers at times don't look good. They look a lot better than some of the European banks, they look better than Japan, they look better than the opaque numbers out of China. So I'm still gonna bet on the people and the diversity in this room for us to find places to make money. In the end, though, there still wasn't much fear of a looming recession. And like any good investor, every roundtable member found ways to play the current environment. For more on their specific stock picks, check out this week's Barron's. Thanks for listening to this special edition of The Readback. We're back on Wednesday to talk about the legacy of Jack Bogle, the inventor of index funds who passed away last week at 89. Barron's Leslie Norton had the very last interview with him in December, and she'll join us to talk about her reporting on Bogle. I'm Alex Yule. 
The show is produced by Meta Lutzoff. 